Oh, thank you. Just tell me how long it will take. Yes, that's right. We are here live. We're finally at the end of season three. This is episode 24, I think it is. The Adversary. Oh, it's 26. I was wrong. Um, this is the episode all, you know, Captain getting his his pips. He's got four pips. And this is that's what this whole episode's kind of setting up the Dominion and the changing uh, dynamic with Odo. But we will get into that once we start introducing everybody. I am Jeff Mater, your host of DC's Night at Nine-ish. We also have my brother Dave. We'll bring him on in now. Dave, how are you? I'm doing well, Jeff. Good evening. And uh, yeah, and we made it. It's been a long road getting from there to here. But this era of Deep Space Nine is over for us. We are now going into season four after this. But see, but we must celebrate the end of season three. I will touch the sky. Yes. Um, we also have uh, the tag team couple back in action. Uh, Kevin and Ashley Millard. Let's bring them on in. Kevin and Ashley, how are you? Excellent. Better before the Enterprise uh, reference there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, wait, well, wait, it, was, wait, it was Star Trek, wait, so it's connected. Wait till we get to the fun facts. There's some number references that I'm sure <laughs> oh, you're going to I, want to hear. I love the number references because I understand how numbers work. I actually picked up on the 47 <laughs> reference in this episode. You found it! I did! There's actually more than one. There's more than one this time. Okay, I only yeah. picked up on one. Well, you just have to okay. find one to be a true Star Trek fan. Yeah. That's right. If you don't pay attention close enough, then that's that's on you. We also have our final co-host, Jamil Robinson. How are you? I'm all right. How are you all doing? Are you ready to talk about the adversary? Odo is a hater of his own species. What do you think about that? He's not a hater. You know, he's just playing the game. That's right. Don't yes. hate the player. Hate the game. <laughs> and I kind of agree. I don't think... I think that, you know, when somebody has got their hand inside your body, I think it's fair game. Mm -hmm. I think you're allowed to take that person and and put them onto a warp core. So yeah. What's on that? Don't forget that, okay? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <All> self-defense. Okay. <laughs> we also okay. So this episode is like a whodunit. It's the whodunit episode of Star Trek, and it's a fantastic um, display of acting, mystery writing. Who wrote this one? So, uh, I think Ronald D. Moore wrote no, it. No, I think I'm it's not... an Iris Stephen Bear, isn't it? Or was it? Uh, uh, let's look at it. One I can't believe no one knows this. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we're such a prepared podcast. This is the best D Space Nine podcast you could ever hope to listen to. We come prepared. We know the show. You're you're correct, Dave. Iris Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf. Oh, his together. old psychic, uh, Robert Hewitt Wolf. Yes. Okay. He's number two. He's uh, a lieutenant. But this episode, He's come lieutenant. on, guys, I think was highly, highly influenced by Ronald D. Moore because this is basically Battlestar Galactica. I mean, th that's what this episode is, right? A lot of like, yeah, what they'll do with the Cylons and like sort of the the uh, the hidden um, the the enemy among us sort of theme and uh, that like that that it, it it's very much what the Changeling kind of theme was in Deep Space Nine, but the Cylons took it to a more di to di different themes and levels, I'd say. Sure, yeah, it's technology versus humanity, <laughs> and that's not covered here. A lot here more with spirituality in a different different context. Yeah. And Gaius would be having um. 
some delusions and visions of um, a chamber with um, 12 hooded figures um, overlooking mm-hmm. a baby. Yeah, he'd be in an in a opera house somewhere. Yes. Um. Okay, so we, all right, this episode starts off with, um, you know, right off the bat, Cisco goes, final commander's log. It seems like so he's you, resigning. He seems like I'm, I'm out of here. Is yeah? Is that is that yeah? Like it's was that out. the fake? It's a fake out to the fans that everybody thought you know Avery Brooks probably take off after this season, and uh, this is kind of like and they have the whole little fake out with Jake, where he's like I'm going to make it short and simple. I got uh, a question about that. Why yeah. did Jake get to pin the pips on him? Jake is not in Starfleet at all. Nope. Doesn't want to be. It was either a choice between him and Eddington, and he's like, I'll let the boy do it. There's no way you can get a guy who is a lower rank to do it. So I think it's fitting that it is Jake, because I think if it was the ambassador, it wouldn't be fitting either, because the ambassador turns out to be uh, not not really him. So I think it would take away from it. So it's just like, yeah, well, he got promoted, and they phoned it in. He got it it through mail order, Jeff. He's on D-Space 9. There was no admiral in the area to promote him, so they just said, Whatever. Replicate another pip. Stick it on your collar. It's good. Congratulations, Captain Cisco. <laughs> they couldn't have or another he... captain do it. Another captain maybe could have done it. I think you could. Ulysses perhaps... wasn't doing anything important. I, I think it should have been probably. You know, you would think it would be Kira, but she's not in Starfleet either. So you know, it, then you're right. It would fall to Eddington. No, it has to be someone who's a higher rank. I mean, but nobody's a higher rank. Can't be promoted from an ensign. Can't promote a lieutenant to lieutenant commander. It doesn't make any sense. Well, Jake can't promote him either. Jake, Jake's just like (laughs) it's like ceremonial. It's like, hey, Jake, here you go. Pin it on him. You, you, you do it. You promote. Why is Cisco the only one wearing the formal dress uniform? That's a good question. I also, I think, like this was impromptu. I like, like even uh, O'Brien can't even bother to like roll down his sleeves in the, you know. uh, if we're following the logic of um, of first season, wouldn't Bashir be wearing his dress uniform too? Because wasn't that his whole thing? He came overdressed. He came underdressed to one underdressed. He didn't. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. It underdressed. Was, it was it was Dax and uh, Brian, I think, dressed up, and he wasn't. Yes. <clears throat> I stand corrected. What episode was now, that? Oh, Brian. Uh, Brian, Brian, no, Brian and Brian. <laughs> It was Alan Marine. You're it right. Was. It wasn't O'Brien. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, Clear congratulates him. Da- um, all right. This I have a question about this. Jadzia walks up to Cisco and says, "Curzon would be proud of you, but not as proud as I am." And then Cisco says, "Thanks, Dax." He doesn't say thanks, Jadzia. <laughs> he says, "Thanks, Dax." What do you think about that, guys? Who's he thanking? Both. I guess he usually just calls her Dax. I, I thought it was a really badly. I thought it was the worst moment of the whole opener. Uh, was the, the their interaction here? I thought I thought Kira and him were pretty good. Where he's like, uh, what does he say? It just, it just means I'm never wrong. It just means I'm never wrong. Right. She yeah. <laughs> she says so. Now you're a captain. I can't question you as much. She says, Oh no, you can. But I'm never wrong. I'm never wrong. <laughs> captain captain's a little different than commander. He's saying, even though like our our respective hierarchy hasn't changed here. I'm a captain. Right. It means something. Odo te- <laughs> right. Odo tells him if anyone deserves to be promoted, it's you. O'Brien tells him it's about time, um, which is also true. I mean, it's the end of season three. What took so long for them to give him the captain pips? 
you can tell the show is starting to come into its own. We're about to go full Hawk next episode. We have this is the end of pre half Hawk, I guess you, we like to call it. And, he's still and got the so, hair. He's still got the hair here. So uh, he's still got the hair for one more episode, and then it's going. And, and well, this season, is well, this is the end of the yeah. season too, right? Like it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a true finale in a lot of ways. But um, it's so. okay. I think this episode was trying to do what TNG did at the end of their third season with Best of the Both Worlds, with, with ending on a cliffhanger of a big bad threat. Right? Do you guys kind of agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Kevin and Ashley, uh, what do you make of Quark bringing some nice amount of, um, what, I don't figure what he calls it, but it looks like champagne. Um, and he, I really like this moment because he allows Jake to sip it. He's like, that won't hurt anybody. And then he's like, give me that, you know? Like, <laughs> I, so what did you think of that moment? Kevin and Ashley, uh, two people who have kids on this panel. I actually no totally missed, I totally missed that. Oh, you missed yeah, it? Yeah, he took that. Yeah. Yeah, he took one sip yeah. and then he went back for another sip and he was like, that's enough of that and took it away from him. <laughs> oh, please. He dated a Dabo girl. He's already drunk. Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh Dad, Dad, can I have a little sip of that? Uh, of that bubbly, please? 17 now? Like, yeah. come on. Yeah, it's kind of silly. Cause yes, yeah, he's dated Dabo girls. He's, you know, he's becoming cool. a writer. Like, oh, <laughs> Wait, uh, let me ask you a question, because I, I, this just came to mind. Two questions. I'll be quick. Yeah. First question. He says yes. the best captain, you know, he calls Cisco the best captain. Do you think it's just uh, hyperbole, or is he actually mean that? Jake says that? No, um, O'Brien says that. Oh, yeah. Um, I think there is an acknowledgement from O'Brien to Cisco on purpose that, listen, I liked Picard. But I was never Picard's guy, you know. O'Brien, transporter room guy. Yeah, yeah O'Brien is Cisco's guy. He's his. The, he's the crew member he wants. He's the guy he wants being his. He's chief important engineer. there. He's, he's really important. He's closer yes. to Cisco than he was to Picard. True. He's way, but he's way up higher in the hierarchy, and I think it's only possible because uh, Cisco is also an engineer, and so therefore you don't need like a full officer. You can have O'Brien, who's an enlisted guy. And the uh, first, oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, know. go ahead. Well, yeah, it's just like, like unusual, right? For someone to be the head of, of, a, of a, especially of the space station or something like that. But okay. Yeah, right. and it, at, the, at the first episode of Deep Space Nine, we see that, that O'Brien and Picard aren't that close. I mean, O'Brien didn't even think Picard would want to say goodbye to him. That's right. <laughs> right. And, and, and he thought and Picard... he was on par with Wesley. <laughs> right, and Picard comes down, and and like O'Brien's, yeah, you're right, surprised yeah. that he, he wants to say goodbye to him, and uh, he's like, "No, I like you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's like, I, "I never really, you know." There's a whole acknowledgement that he he never really felt a part of that crew, and it's true. As an actor, I mean, he was a bit part, uh, so he was a come and go character. Okay, question number two. Yep. Uh, if you're on the holodeck, like, wouldn't whatever you drink actually tastes like what it is in real life? Or do they have safeties on like, let's say he has a holodeck adventure at a bar, right? Like, is he drinking alcohol? No, but probably be like synthahol. Okay. Because right. most of them just drink synthahol even in like 10 forward. Right. 
Well, we do get that moment here with with Cork bringing the Chateau Cleon twenty three oh three. We get this moment where uh, I think it's Bashir says, "What did you replicate that Quark?" And he goes, "No, it's very important." And you know, he makes a big stink about it. And so, Quark's barely in this episode. This is only thing, right? This is his only thing. Yeah, it's uh, too early to suck up to the boss. <laughs> right on. <laughs> it, it fits his character perfectly. It's it, it, it's great that he it, it shows that Quark is also willing to spare an expense for his you know his friends the people that he considers um close to him as well you know because even though he don't won't admit it maybe like we come to understand that how much you know the crew means to him right i guess so <laughs> i guess so uh okay so then we get the scene with the ambassador uh and so he kind of takes him aside uh the zenkethi dave yes uh, what do you love the uniform of Ambassador Zenkethi? I don't know his name. He's not uh, a Zenkethi. He's a human. Oh, he's yeah. a human? Okay, he's ambassador to the Zenkethi. So we he's never get to see the Zenkethi in this in this. Uh yeah. You're episode. talking about you're talking about Ambassador Krasinski, who is uh, I guess he's been on the Zenkethi homeworld, I guess. And he's actually he turns out to not be this guy. He tends to he's a, basically an imposter and the the real person's either abducted or dead uh but uh yeah he says that uh, there's been a coup and that's kind of setting up the episode and the Zenkathi uh are this alien race we never get to see on screen yet however jeff you know that i'm a fan of the game star trek online yes and they have been imagined in that world uh you know and i think that you know there's it's really imaginative but it, apparently they had a war with the federation sometime in cisco's earlier part of the, uh, his career so Maybe in the twenty to sixties, I guess, um, when he was a bit younger, and so you can see here, like they are a species with four limbs, like four upper arms on their upper torso, and they're kind of reptilian. They're, um, what's the guy from Mortal Kombat? The Goro. 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 Yeah, they're Goros. They're kind of like Goros. Uh, you can see here uh, their their physiology a bit more. You don't want to mess with them. They're scary. I see. I see why they didn't use it. Uh, uh, I mean, it would have been. You can cool see there with like the silhouette of the human. Like they're much bigger than people too. Right. They seem. They seem frightening. They seem like they're wearing like mech armor too. I wouldn't want to come across one. You wouldn't want to have, go to war with these guys, right? So it doesn't seem like it. No. And uh, well, Cisco alludes in his. Uh, I think it was in his captain's log, that you know he had fought them before in, in a Federation war, and in, it wasn't. No good memories, basically. That's <laughs> basically all he says. Um, and that's after... Okay, for he's a jolly good fellow. How much you guys love for he's a jolly good fellow? Kevin. No. Which nobody can deny. Nobody can Ashley. deny. How have they not come up with a better song by the 20th? It's royalty free. What do you want? For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. Nobody yeah. Um, what's there to be say that wasn't already said there? Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. So oh, don't get... worry. We have it in Klingon. Too. <laughs> Is that the next episode? That's the TNG episode with oh. the, where, where uh, Worf's birthday cake and they're 
<laughs> they, they do for he's a jolly good fellow in Klingon. It's a favorite of Star Trek writers to go to. They love to uh, to source this because it's it's free. And they're like, yeah, they might sing this in the future. No. Right. And, and they'll, they'll also say lame things like hip hip hooray. Okay, so. We get the uh, Cisco and O'Brien go down to engineering. Uh, you know, they they're talking about you know what's on the ship. Full, full complement of photon torpedoes. Uh, they have this mission to go to Sinkethi border to investigate what the admiral has kind of set them on this mission to prevent ambassador. a war. Hey, ambassador, um, ambassador Krasinski. Uh, O'Brien's you know doing some things, and they kind of have like this like a horror movie vibe in this uh, post opening uh credits it's scene. an ominous cold open yeah yeah it's an ominous cold open did you guys like this uh let's go to kevin and ashley first yeah it i i i guess i don't it's fine it's fine <laughs> okay jamil did you did you enjoy the i didn't i didn't think it was a great like end to the cold open like nothing happened it was just o'brien like what's going on Okay, back well, to work. Getting uh, jumpy in your old age, O'Brien. Yeah, getting jumpy, yeah. And he's kind of looking around his shoulder, and then, like, it just cuts. It just goes, music goes, doo -doo -doo -doo, and you're like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> here's kind of... O'Brien's working, and it's spooky. <laughs> Jump scares at the beginning of an episode is not a good thing. Because, no. yeah, like, where's the tension? There should be, like, something scary leading into the the credits so you're like what happens and you're like glued to it this is like oh it was nothing Did flip the channel right um yeah but as a viewer it's... you know it's not nothing right it's setting the tone that this mission isn't going to go as planned that something bad could occur which it does but it doesn't happen to o'brien or cisco or it ends up happening to odo uh but and Dad? yeah there is a moment where you know, like this is almost like a horror movie, who done it episode, and so I guess it does set the tone for the episode. I guess, but it's kind of a weird way to set it up because there's no payoff there. Not right away. It takes a while. Um, okay, so my favorite thing, kind of right after the credits, we. <laughs> oh, and I have a comment on the credits because this is the last time it says Commander Cisco. In the credits, but, they, they didn't. They didn't bother to update it to Captain for this mm. episode. Well, that, I think that's they did that on purpose. Actually, I do think so, Dave, because um, we, we right after <laughs> we get like the he's like, I only want to do one thing: Captain's log, starting four eight nine six zero. Like he, yeah, like, yeah, Captain's log feels good. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, I'm yeah. busting out the Captain's log in my voiceover, and I love it. I yeah. loved that. I loved that that captain's log where he was like, "Oh, we should say something." Jake says I should say something profound, but all I can think is begin captain's log. At least he didn't say punch it or something stupid like that, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> was it "Let's fly"? <laughs> Remember that, folks? <laughs> it's coming back. Gosh. Gosh. Yes, that should be his. <laughs> uh, that would be so awesome okay so then we get the scene right after that with cisco and dax and the turbo lift they're talking about the relationship between cassidy yates and benjamin cisco and they're kind of taught like she's not in the episode like i mean it is interesting that they put this in there 
that they wasted time, I think, in a, in a way, on this conversation because I get they're setting up for later episodes, but for a finale, it is strange that they're like bringing her up even though she never comes into the fold. What do you guys make of that? I think this is more of a tool to make uh, to make Cisco more relatable to the rest of the crew. Like he's more a part of the crew. Like they're all giving him a hard time about it instead of him just being the boss all the time. Yeah, I agree. Like he mentions, like we're gonna go watch the seventh game of the World Series from 1964, and he, he yeah, like they're they're making a point that he's not just a strict command set, you know, captain that's gonna you know fire orders left right. That that he you know he's this is a family, and you know, so Jimmy, what do you do you kind of agree with that idea of what Kevin said? Yeah, you know, it's it's um banter to provide familiarity and to to kind of smoothen out things and soften them up before the the high tension that we're going to be seeing shortly thereafter right yeah because they, they're they're putting that contrast in uh okay dave then they we get the you know engaged thrusters the first maiden voyage of captain cisco Again, as captain, but he's had this ship the whole season. This is one of the few times we've seen the Defiant taken out, especially with like the whole command staff, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and the principles of the show, minus like, you know, Quark and Jake, I guess. Um, but like, you know, they, and they're like, well, Eddington's here. So what do we have for Odo to do? He's like, communications, standing by. I will work the radio. Uh, Dave, may I ask you a question? Yes. Do you think they should have cut out all the Cassidy Yates talk and then instead had like used that time to have a montage of the ship from different angles a la <laughs> no, Star Trek The no. Motion Pictures? I do not like, think that would be the good choice. No. And just, like, just pump up the music? Do, 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 do. No, I was like, I think it is a little weird <laughs> in some ways, but I guess it's it's like it's it's kind of creating this dynamic among the cast. And this is a lot of things that these TNG writing staffs are doing with Voyager and, and the rest, like they, they, you're gonna have relationships with the crew. Like there was always the Riker Troy kind of thing. And later on they were doing Worf and Troy and different combinations of things and relationships. And so with that, uh, with, with Cisco and he's the single dad. So it's like been, th you know, a few years and he's kind of had a few romances. So it's kind of like, I, I think that they know that that character is working well for him and they want to continue it. And they don't even have to hire her for the episode. They just have to mention her and, uh, and continue the storyline. He's like, yeah, she's off on a trip. She's off running off on a cargo thing and whatever. She's and making Dax, that money. She's making money, I guess. Yeah, he's he's not worried about it. Dax wants details. Da Dax is a gossip, and we're seeing more of her of her social personality come out here, which I like because she's a playful kind of uh, character, and like they they that's a lot better than when she's like Curzon would be proud of you, you know. <laughs> She's not a so, but I'm even boot. more. If this yeah, was not... Big Brother, she would be a third week boot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she would not win veto. Nope. Go go directly to Julie Chen. Um, okay. Uh, we have the scene with, with O'Brien in the Jeffrey's tube. He's fixing a um, some sort of relay. Uh, and then all of a sudden, like he hears some noises. He's like, what's going on? He doesn't really get it. He's very confused. Also, he's sitting cross-legged, which is strange. Uh, and and then he bumps into Bashir, which who's not really Bashir. We we know later. Um, this he gets is, really scared. You want to hear it? Yeah, sure. 
Julius! Julian! Julian! <laughs> oh, Julian! <laughs> Julian! Yeah, and, and it's like this, this is gasp that's part of it, too. Listen. Who's Julian? <laughs> it's like almost a grunt. But. Yeah, you're right. Uh, then he says, <laughs> I, I was fixing. Um, you know, like an engineering console to connect to the medical uh, relay. And uh, O'Brien's like, why don't you just let me do that? And he goes, oh, you're busy enough. Should be a red flag right off the bat, you would think. Uh, number two, it made me think of late. I think it doesn't happen in this episode, but it does happen later on in season four where Bashir says to O'Brien, it's like, how could you not tell it wasn't me? <laughs> and this is like the same feeling I have. Like he is, he really does play it different. Like I can tell now, like on the rewatch, that the way he smiles at him and the way, like he definitely plays it different. What did you guys you make see of the it? subtlety of, of Alexander Sadig, or still as Sadig El Fidel, or just Sid? I guess for sure. Okay, yeah, um, Dave. Yeah, what he's got you, a lot of subtlety. Yeah. <laughs> what did you make of that performance? Because I really enjoy it um, on a rewatch. I think that there's some fun things in here. I think the mystery, I think that yeah, like twice that Julian Bashir gets to play the changeling, uh, or I guess they, you know, he gets to play the changeling. Um, I think he's, and oh, I guess, you know, obviously Rene Aubergenois, he gets also to play that character um, impersonating and the guy who plays Krasinski. So like, there's a few people playing this character. And so I thought that he brings a, 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 a consistency to that that works and is, uh, but you know, fools you, right. It works. It works on a lot of levels. He, right. he does this again too in the episode where we find out he's he's in the the camp in the prison yeah, yeah. with Garon and you, I mean we and no. he plays this same this you can tell the way he's acting in that episode that he is different and you can tell it in this episode too between the two he he actually yeah you're right he does a really good job of it it's, it's a certain way he smiles or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I, I, I just think that he every time he just impresses me as an actor in this show, like more so than when I see him in other things. Like when I see him in Game of Thrones or I see him, he was in um, the Syriana movie. And I find most of the time his performances are pretty one note. But on Star Trek, he had oh, the ability. Oh, dear. Yeah. And, and, but on Star Trek, he had the ability to 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 go like do so many uh, such a wide range of performances that I, I just really enjoy watching him um, in this, especially in an episode like this. Um, let's go to Kevin because we know his favorite character has a scene with Cisco Eddington. Um, how much do you love this uh, scene, Kevin? Oh, oh, it's just awkward. It's just what a wh who has a conversation like that ever? <laughs> Mr. Eddington. Yeah. Oh, it's just so bad. I wanted to be a captain, but right. I, I, you don't get to wearing the gold <laughs> uniform. You don't get to be a captain wearing a gold uniform. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, so, and then Cisco says to him, why don't you just switch? You could always transfer from security to command. <laughs> Ashley, how much does Eddington annoy you in this moment? Oh, I hate Eddington all the time, as much as Kevin does. He gives Canadians a bad name. Yes. Funny enough. My lucky loony. Watching this episode with Ashley for the first time, in the moment where the changeling is revealed, Eddington goes for his phaser. Yes. And he goes, oh, he's the bad guy. Now, he's not in this episode, but it, it killed me because she didn't know yet that all the rest of the stuff. 
So yeah, Eddington is just bad all around. There's a few times where it, it, later on when Eddington, Eddington's on the bridge, he's a lieutenant commander and he could legitimately be incorporated into that self-destruct sequence, but they're like, no, it's just Cisco and Kira. That's it. He's not part of it. <laughs> and uh, she's not even in Starfleet, but she's the she's this first officer of the ship. So um goes through. And like, you yeah, think, you're like, Eddington you doesn't Dax, matter. You would think Dax would be the third person. She's out cold, yeah. though. She's out for the count in this episode. Right. Right, so that's why that happens. So, right. Um, he also says to him, you know, it's about time. He agrees with O'Brien, and Cisco says the rank doesn't make much of a difference. Do you? Do, I, I don't believe that. Um, I think I think he he feels like he achieved what he wanted to. Like this, like he's like Eddington makes the point. Like nobody really wants to be commander or an admiral. You want the captain. You just want to be captain. That's the butter zone. It's the butter zone, uh, and I think this is kind of a reference to the original Star Trek movies when Cisco, when a Kirk, sorry, becomes an Admiral and, it, and then he gets demoted to captain. He's like, sweet. You know, like, like that's kind of what that's a reference for me. Dave, do you agree? Yeah. yeah well, there's definitely this narrative throughout this, all the Star Treks that, uh, you know, like once you get to the Admiral level, that's like a bureaucrat, somebody who's out of touch, not on the field that, uh, that it's the line officers uh, rather the, rather than the flag officers who are actually, you know, uh, kind of with it and are experiencing these things and exploring strange new worlds where, you know, uh, the, when you're just reading reports, you just don't have that context. That's definitely always been sort of a, 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 a central theme that they push. And so they're like, yeah, it's now, um, I think when they were trying to start the show with him as a commander, I think it was just as, not to make him less important, but to say, well, in naval tradition, commanders command space stations. And we all, I think they wanted to make him different than like, you know, the captain of the Enterprise. And they knew they were going to probably do Voyager right after that. So they wanted to okay, we'll have a commander on one and a captain on there. That's that's neat. Um, they wanted to make them different. Right. And so but here they're like, I, it doesn't matter. He's a captain. He's captain of the space station. Who cares? I like that he's a commander and then becomes a captain because for, for, for a couple of reasons. One, I, I think it's earned. I, I think he, when he becomes a captain in this episode, um, we're on that journey with him. Like I, I, I always kind of get frustrated when we meet Picard. He's already a captain. We barely learn anything about all of them, he... though. All, that's true for all the shows. Uh, except no, for, except just... for Discovery. Except for Discovery, I guess. No, so we... we're not... Well... <laughs> we we kind of see brief flashes of people getting promoted, and seeing a little bit of their journey. But Kurt, but, but yeah, Sp in Spock's case, yes, he, like he starts off as a lieutenant, sort of in his first pilot, and then he goes to commander, and he's eventually a captain. If you want to consider Spock the main character of the original series, but I'd like he, to, I'd but, like to. But Kirk is the ca is captain when we first meet him. He's you know. Right, um, Picard though. Picard's a good example. Like we, we never see a Commander Picard flashback. We never see. We see very, well, um, a, a very small one in one of Beverly Crusher's flashbacks. But uh, <laughs> but Picard's been a captain for like twenty years by the time he takes over on the Enterprise. Right, he's like a. They 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 made him a very different archetype. He was like he was the seasoned commander, but his old ship was not that like powerful. But he was like so he 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 had seen some some shit, I guess, if you will. Um, you know, whereas Kirk was a, maybe not the, this may not have been his first captaincy on the enterprise, but it, it was probably like maybe very early, uh, cause he was a relatively young captain. Yeah. It was okay. likely his first. Yeah. And Janeway was her first command too. Yeah. Right. But like, I, it makes sense with Picard because it's the enterprise, you know, and that shouldn't like, I never understood that with Kirk. Like, it's like, he literally just 
they like fast forward him to captain of the biggest flagship of that makes no sense well, the, and the enterprise like, is is already 20 years old when star trek the original series starts it's an old it's not a new ship it's been around for a while he's the third captain of this ship right kirk right and it takes you know the whole show plus the first movie to get a new ship right well, yeah, he has to blow up the old yeah. one, and then they give him a new one. Uh, <laughs> That's how you get stuff. You uh, destroy the old one, and they give you a new one. You get a movie, you blow up the ship. That's how yeah, it works. Just like an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get our, okay, after the Eddington scene, we get our third commander slash captain's log of the episode. And uh, Cisco's captain's log. It. It's a captain's log. It's a captain. I'm just mean it's like the third log yeah. within, like, <laughs> 13 minutes into the episode. This is our third voiceover. Um, uh, so he's talking talking about like, yeah, they're 12 hours from the border. The, the the ambassador is on the bridge. And, you know, there's this fake communications thing that's, you know, Odo, like you mentioned, uh, Kevin, is, is working the, the communication relay uh, area. And uh, it's complete, like a false message from the Zenkethi that has been programmed by the Changeling to fool them, uh, which again plays into the whodunit horror aspect of this episode. My question for you guys is why is Odo doing this? Why is he doing the communications? Like, why is he. <laughs> He's not in Starfleet. <laughs> what is he doing? He, he needs something to do. <laughs> Yeah, he is, but he should have been like, I don't know, hanging out with like O'Brien to me. Like, I don't understand why he is on the bridge. He's if never Dick on the is, in ops, you know. Dick is allowed to promote commanders, then Odo can send some messages. Yeah, they, they they were working really hard to integrate Odo and Kira. Kira's easier, but Odo is a little tougher because, like, he's security, but there's Eddington here too, and um. It shouldn't be as hard as it is, but for some reason, it's just like Odo is not, doesn't quite, he doesn't even want to use a phaser. There's like almost no reason for Odo to be on this mission. You know, he's chief well, of well, station once it, once security. Once we find out it's a changeling, he becomes incredibly important. Yes, but <laughs> they don't know that. And it really makes no sense for him to go on this mission. Like, I don't understand like, why he's there. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm glad he is once we find out the changing thing. I'm sure the rest of the crew is too. Uh, but at the same time, like, it, it's very convenient. Uh, okay, we, we also get multiple scenes here with the ambassador on the bridge, and they purposely show him next to Eddington, and they purposely show him next to Odo. And I think this is on purpose to show that how inept their security is um, when it comes to the changelings. Um, they're like, well, the, this guy's able to get past two security chiefs. We got past them all, right? Like he duped everybody. Yeah. yeah. And without trouble, nobody, because they even say they scanned him and he scanned as human. And so, it, in the 24th century, there's they don't verify orders anymore at all. Like, one message to Starfleet would have stopped them from leaving in the first place. Yeah. And it would have been a great... Um, who Who's running the station? This is my question. Who was like, left in charge? This Thank isn't you. an admiral coming on and giving orders either. It's an ambassador. This is the same as Waxana Troy walking onto the thing <laughs> and going, hey, I need you guys to take like the most powerful ship in Starfleet and come join me on this planet. And they're like, okay, let's take all of the senior staff. 
<laughs> yeah, let's like, just throw them, throw them all on the ship. And I I just wish at one point they like, and I think they would do this today. But just show us a scene of ops, and it's literally just like Jake throwing a ball against the wall or something <laughs> like that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I think that would be really funny <laughs> because literally they completely abandoned their post <laughs> to go on this mission. They don't even know it's a real mission. I feel like you should have left at least like Eddington behind, but no, no it should be Kira and Odo. All of ops and still just throwing the ball against the wall. <laughs> yeah, Kira and Odo should be on the station. Yeah, there's no like, reason Nog. for them to come. Nog's running things. Nog's a go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah with his He's fake uniform. It's fine. <laughs> uh, we have, you have a, a mission that might um, determine if Starfleet could possibly go to war. You don't want any Bajoran individual. Like, they're not a part of Starfleet. So let's yeah. say something happens. That could be an infraction against Bajorans versus the, was it Zinth Zinthari? Zinthari. I was so close. <laughs> um, like, it doesn't make any sense. You would not involve them in the situation. So, right. like, they're there just because of plot. It, to send it just would, one ship too is weird. It would have made sense, more sense, to have kept Kira on the station, but then she can't really be in the episode. Uh, you know, so that I, I understand why, but they wish they explained who's running the station. That's it. That's all. It, but it's a terrible reason as to why, because she wouldn't be in the episode. So you can't be in every episode. Exactly. Not every they, episode has anything to do with you. It's a finale. They want the full ensemble cast. Like I get yeah. what's going on here. Cork, I guess he's the one running the station. <laughs> yeah, Cork. <laughs> um, okay, so then we get this. Okay, we get this like um, call where uh, uh, O'Brien's got to go fix the something in the Jeffries tube. Dax uh, it goes with O'Brien, and I love this moment where <laughs> Cisco goes, "Kira, take the helm." So for and I was like. Is Kira like I I I always, I'm always like is Kira below Dax in Cisco's hierarchy, like in a way, like it depends on what her skill set is, I guess. Like, um, a pilot is a specific skill set. Um, so you know, especially on a ship like this, they so. do they do mention in later episodes like who Cisco considers a good pilot. Like, I think he considers the chief actually um, yeah. the best pilot next to himself. Uh, there's a there's the I forget what episode it is, but there's an episode where Cisco takes the helm, and he's like, "I know this ship better than anybody, so let me do it." Um, that involves a slingshot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course it does. I just I I, I and then oh, so like oh yeah, Kira takes her seat, and then Eddington takes Kira's seat, and I, I don't know, it just it fascinates me how the hierarchy of this. The Defiant Bridge is one of the weirdest bridges because it's it, they have less of a hierarchy than most of the others, right? Whereas like on the on the on most ships, it's like okay, I got the captain's chair, and then there sometimes you have a first officer's chair, or there'll be a science station, an engineering station, usually a pilot station, sometimes a navigator too, communications, whatever. In the Defiant Bridge, it's like there's definitely like a pilot station in the front, but then these stations along the side are like whatever. It could be anything, like it's it's uh, whatever there's they no need it to be. There's no right-hand person to Cisco like there is on every other ship, pretty much. Well, I guess th this is very much like the Enterprise original series bridge, where you got the focus in the middle, and like like uh, Spock is always off to the side too, Dave. Like yeah. he's always he like, is looking off to the side too, but it's, something. It's, 
You know? When it, I to me, I think this is my opinion. Like, I, like Kira just feels like she's one of the group, right? But she doesn't feel as much like a, a, a like like a second in command. I guess maybe because they just have a chair, like Chakotay and Riker get, and those kinds she's, of things. And she's no number one. Yeah, she's, like, she's a one B. <laughs> I don't know. It just never felt right to me. And like when Worf comes along, it's gonna get worse for her. That's it does. You're right. Uh and that's the next episode, so we'll get to that. Woof. Uh, okay. Woof. Okay, <laughs> we get a great moment here with uh well, I don't want to call it great, but it's kind of interesting. Um with Dax and O'Brien, they open the Jeffrey's tube and they see like these tubes like going into the relays. Um uh <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. It's basically changeling tubes that I don't know how he's doing it, but he's doing it. You're changeling um, tubes? I, think, I don't know. I will explain what is going on with what they show us. It's these green tubes going into the relays. And then uh, O'Brien and Cisco kind of go, OK, somebody's sabotaging here. And then Cisco comes down to the to engineering. And that's when O'Brien says, you know, this is I saw I saw Bashir in the Jeffries tube, at which point. Like if I was Cisco, I would have smacked him on the head <laughs> and been like, why didn't you tell me this? <laughs> <laughs> why didn't Cisco go to him hey it's weird that Bashir would be doing something in engineering wouldn't you have would, wouldn't Julian have questions if you were giving yourself a heart transplant because he was busy like, yes <laughs> like, like, Brian was just hanging out in sickbay sorry go ahead maybe go a ahead. Boy minored in surgery <laughs> You don't know. He's had his little extra course in heart surgery. His extension course. He's taking his engineering extension classes or whatever. Because O'Brien buys this. O'Brien buys his explanation. It's like, I'm like, O'Brien, you should not be in security. Well, he checked it out and it was legit. The changeling did add whatever Bashir said said, he was adding. Yeah, yeah. His cover story checked out. Yeah, he said he didn't do a terrible job and put the thing back. I think, though, if they're friends, he would have looked at Bashir and gone, hey, don't fuck with my shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, if Bashir walked into sickbay on the station and O'Brien was just messing with medical tricorders and stuff <laughs> and was, you know, I think Bashir would be like, get out of here. You know, <laughs> what are you doing? So, that, OK, so then. <laughs> yes. So then we get the the moment here where uh yeah, he uh Cisco goes, "Hmm. All right, I want to talk to Julian first. Nobody's accusing anyone of anything. But we need to figure out what's clearly obviously going on here is sabotage." <laughs> uh and then um Dax gets the idea to let's not interrogate everybody because Eddington and Odo clearly suck at that. So w- let's do um like a scan. Because only if it's me and O'Brien that only have these particles on us, then we know that it has to be you know one of us. But if it's not, if someone else has these particles on them, it's definitely that person. So that's kind of the moment we get here. My question is, when they go get everybody on the bridge, why didn't they put a, a force field around the whole bridge? Like, we see this in Voyager. I know this episode hasn't happened, but there's an episode where um the the doctor anytime he went into a room where he wanted to conceal what he was doing he put like a level four force field up around whatever room he was in to to conceal i think that would have been a good thing to do on the bridge don't you guys think if it's possible yeah 
Jamil, what do you think? You're nodding. Yeah, um, you're exactly right. There's not much to add to that. It's it's pretty straightforward. No, Jeff. We need meetings in the cafeteria, sitting around <laughs> like this table weirdly. Like this because the, the Defiant doesn't have a meeting room, right? <laughs> it's a it big is. enough shift to have a meeting room. They could they could fit a meeting room in here, but they never will because they want you to feel to feel cramped, right? And so they they, they get all these these seated up. Like Odo can't even sit at the table with them. He has to sit up to the side <laughs> and put his leg up and do the thinking man. Yeah. So so what you're saying is take some um some square um yardage from um from engineering and then um add it to the um, mess hall meeting room because it's he... quite spacious. For right. a ship that's supposed to be so kind of compact. So I have another question about this. Okay. About the, the medical track, the scanning that they're doing here, with, that Dax is doing. First, they go to Cisco, and then Kira goes, might as well do me. And then they do Bash uh, no, then they do Bashir, and uh, Bashir is clean. So they're like, okay, well, that's weird. Right? Because <laughs> we were sure it was Bashir. And then we get this great moment. It's actually probably my favorite part of the episode when O'Brien goes, Hey, what were you doing with the Jeffrey's tube? Like, <laughs> what the hell was that all about? You're freaking me out. You know? And, and, and then Bashir goes, What? What are you talking huh? about? What? <laughs> you know? And then we, we, at the simultaneously, Dax is scanning the ambassador. And, and so then we kind of get this moment where. They look up, and you're right, like uh, you mentioned it before, Kevin, where Eddington's reaching for his phaser. And, yeah, so th th this, this is the start of, okay, it's a changeling. And now we at least know what's going on in this episode. Uh, Dave, how, where, what was the ambassador doing when, when he was pretending to be Bashir? Where was Bashir? Was Bashir in sickbay, and he just pretended to be Bashir in the Jeffrey's tube? Just, just you know for funsies um well i i i think that this he, this changeling uh you know he was he was up to all kinds of things like i think uh it's like that's what we're like, like the you know he's quite the character he could he was not always just one person right he wasn't just always krasinski or bashir or anybody else like he was clearly interning into different things and running right. running things around so yeah like i I don't know. Like once he goes on the run, um, it, it it's kind of it's a really like it's exciting chase and kind of this like countdown to doom, I guess. Right? Did you right. want like a fugitive scene where it's like I want you to check every outhouse, longhouse, <laughs> mess hall, <laughs> Jeffrey's tube? <laughs> it, <laughs> well, we did get um, Avery Brooks's best Hannibal Lecter last week it would have been really fun if he had done his best tommy lee jones yes. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not the changeling i don't care, care. <laughs> <laughs> okay um okay so then we find out okay the the whole ship is out of their control like you're right it's a countdown to doom they have this meeting in the best hall that you mentioned where we had odo <laughs> putting his leg up <laughs> so weird um yeah so we get this whole idea that this this whole idea this whole mission might have been engineered by the dominion um we, it, the real krasinski might be dead we don't know uh yeah like the, it's pretty straightforward like you guys were saying but now it, the search is on we must find this changeling remove him at any at all costs if not we're going to blow up the ship basically um to prevent war even though this is kind of an act of war, what the Dominion is doing here. 
Yes. Uh, this is when the episode gets exciting. Yes. You weren't excited it's, before? Not it was it was the tension. It was like the tension was building, but now it's like the search is on. We have to figure out how to find this changeling. It's the first time they've really had to deal with this kind of situation. It took them quite a while, but like I think they, you know, it's also a lot of special effects and like it kind of jumping into conduits and whatever else. And uh, you know, it's it's exciting like cuz they're doing the phaser things, they're doing like the they figure yeah. out the blood screenings. There's a lot of like problem solving in this episode I enjoy. I uh, like the way they shot like especially like right after this mess hall scene. We have a scene where Bashir and some other dude are walking through the hallway and the way they, they shoot it literally like from their waist and like looking up at Bashir. And it's just like, it's so badass. Like I'm like, Star Trek never does this kind of badass stuff. Like the way, like it's almost superhero Marvel-esque the way they were shooting it. And I just really dig it. Um, I, I don't wish know. I knew what you were talking about because I can't think here. Of I'll, sh- I'll show you. Uh, Right here. Uh, here, I'll share my screen. I'll just show you quickly what I'm talking about. Hold on. Here it goes. So you can kind of see. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. This angle. Like okay. That, right? right. Like, like it's, and it's just the music's going. And it's, I don't know, it's pretty awesome. I love it. Bashir looking cool. Who doesn't like that? Okay, so then we get this. Maybe my second favorite scene in this episode is the conversation between Eddington and Odo, where Odo said he's basically, "I'm Batman. I don't use weapons." And Eddington's like, "You want? You sure you don't want one?" Let's play. He's like, "I've never. I've been a security officer for twenty years, and I've never seen the need to use one." I'm an old lawman. Odo is more of a voyeur, not a participant. He just likes to watch people die. That's why he's yeah. so near. That's why he's he does the umpire. Why does he need to carry a weapon? He can turn into a weapon. It's true, but he never does. <laughs> I love being a changeling. <laughs> uh, yeah. I do love the conversation with Eddington, though, and Odo. It's kind of a weird because they these two have uh, obviously never gotten along, and they never liked well. Odo especially doesn't like him from the beginning because he's a threat to him, and uh, and so it's they they had kind of this interesting moment where they're dealing with the crisis, and he's like, "Well, well, we, you're a changeling, and he's one of your people, and tell me what you, how you relate to him." He's like, "I don't relate to him at all, even though we're the same species. He's not like me at all. I don't know what he's he's not me. I I I, I don't understand him." He's in like, well, fair- that sucks. I wish yeah, you did. <laughs> it, but in fairness, Eddington's kind of right. He's like, yeah, but forget all that. You're both changeling. You can turn into things and hide. And, you know, what would you do? What's your, what are your instincts <laughs> telling you, Odo? Yeah. And he's like, he's I, don't like I don't have any. <laughs> I don't have any instincts. Eddington has a point because, like, if there is a, a police officer chasing a murderer, someone's not going to look and go, you're both human. What would you do? doesn't make any sense we all have different personalities and so do the changelings so i, I, agree, my, I agree that number one right. <laughs> i agree that's the point they're making in the episode but i was watching it and i was thinking like anything has a point like if he's like forget all the personality stuff like what what where would you hide and then but it's a good point too actually like you can turn into a wall like you know he can literally turn into the floor you know, so so he's like, if I had your abilities, I would imagine things that I could do with those abilities. If so, 
what would you imagine, Odo? And maybe that will help us find him. He's yeah, all he's kind of trying to say. Ball or anything. He could turn into an ant. <laughs> but it's also, it's also not a fair thing to ask Odo either because he is, we don't know how old this changeling is and how long he's been changing. Odo has only just recently discovered all of the things he can actually do and change into and be. He wouldn't know. He wouldn't have the first clue what to say that this changeling would turn into because maybe he doesn't know. Like he's, it's like asking a five-year-old, "Hey, what do you, what do you think that this? Where do you think this fugitive is hiding?" Right, and, and I agree. Like that, that it is consistent, and I just kind of, I would, I kind of like see where both characters are coming from, which makes it a good scene. Um, then of course, once again, Eddington and Odo not doing their job dax gets knocked out and bashir and o'brien like hear a noise and they come down to the bottom of engineering and are odo and Ennington the 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 security dream team jeff no, uh, no they're bitching about you know whether or not to use a weapon you know <laughs> yeah so, uh, we're gonna need to bring war fit i think also okay Dave, share my screen for a sec. Once, okay, at first it's just O'Brien and Bashir next to Dax. Look how many people are around Dax in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> like, Bashir should be like, give her some space. Jesus. Like, <laughs> yeah, who, did yeah, you she... all take medical extension courses? Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> Give me O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they just they, they take her off the board for the rest of this episode um yes and they because uh for some reason that makes o'brien's job a lot harder because they need their science officer to to fix the ship yeah i guess he needs help you know and um fox fox used to always he was the science officer he used to always fix the ship he was always <laughs> under the stations pulling out wires and fixing things on original series. Science officers obviously know shit about the ship. Yeah, uh, no, it's for sure. And um, I got, like we said last episode that Dax and Odo are kind of like the, the new data combined, it, you know, so in the new Spock. Uh, so it makes sense that take one of them off the board and let Odo shine in the episode because it's, it's more about him than it is about Dax. Plus, we just had a Dax episode, so... She had her time. Yeah, uh, you're okay. done. We had eight of your personalities, and we learned very little. But <laughs> <laughs> we learned very little about Jedzia. Uh, but we did learn some important things. Uh, okay, so then we get the moment where, yeah, Cisco is like, okay, I'm done. Everybody grab a phaser rifle, program it to wide beam, and let's let's find this guy. Let's find. No, and they keep calling. Let's yeah, go ahead. So it doesn't hurt my ship, yeah. but the rest of us are fucked if we get shot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and also, yeah, we can't take any chances. Uh, I don't can know. Talk, like, can, we, can we talk about Mr. Uh, Blue Man? Yeah, well, we're going to get to I was going to get to him. So they, they end up uh, pairing off uh, to make sure there's always somebody watching someone else to make sure that the changeling doesn't just all of a sudden figure, you know, swoop in and change it to somebody else uh i i like so who's this guy's name do we know this guy's name do they say his name i don't think they do 
I don't. I um. Let's see. And he's ensign. No, he's just Bolian. He's just he's listed as Bolian in the credits. Uh, he's he was an ensign pip. Never knew you. He's the Harry Kim of DS DS Nine, except he was played by Jeff Austin. But we never yeah. see him again because he's an ensign who got lippy with his captain. Yeah, that's true. And and Kira. Yeah. 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 They were both like, get rid of this guy. This guy's. It just means I'm never wrong. We can't yeah, trust him. He he's not willing to die for us. Sister then... poisoned his entire planet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I. But I do think that's important. Why we, I think you're right, Ashley. That's why we never see him again because he defies both Cisco and Kira in a single moment, right. and, and that's hard to do. Uh, okay, so then we get Odo and Eddington in the Jeffries tubes. We get we already mentioned um, like what they talked about. So there's really no reason to cover it again uh then we get the oda oh no cisco and random yellow shirt are in a jeffrey's does he die he dies right he dies yes cisco doesn't even acknowledge it not at all he doesn't (laughs) well he he does go over to him right after so he's like he's dead he doesn't call it in doesn't say officer down nothing like that that guy's probably still there He's probably still, yeah, brought into it. It's just a skeleton. Like O'Brien probably like was clean, was trying to fix a Jeffrey's tube conduit, and then he stumbled across him. He went, Oh, I remember this. This is all right. This it smells in here, guys. We, we gotta we gotta do something about this. I was I was shocked with the disregard he had for this guy. Like yeah. he, well, he does go over to him, but do you, the funniest thing for me is what he says right after he kind of checks on him. He's like, Okay, he's dead. He's like, All right, I'm I'm in pursuit. <laughs> it's right. He doesn't. You're right. He doesn't acknowledge. All he cares about is finding this changeling. It's fine that he wants to chase the changeling. You know, it's just he could have called it in and said like, "Hey, our guy's dead. Uh, Johnson's dead, or whatever." Right, and then run out uh, and yeah, or, goes, or or even after the scene's over, say, "Hey, he killed him." Yeah, he literally looks at him. He goes, he hits his combat. He goes, the changeling is in Jeffrey's tube 7A heading to the lower deck. I'm in pursuit and never acknowledges the guy at all. No. Treats him like Bashir. Yes. Worse. Even worse. At least he knows Julian's name. Cisco's uh, very, he has a lot of expectations as a commander. You, either you make it or you, you break. And then, okay, so then we get the, the Mexican standoff between Kira and the Bolian, and then Cisco interrupts, and he has a phaser on both of them, but he's only looking at the Bolian. He's like, I don't believe Kira's the change. The Bolian standoff, if you will. The Bolian standoff. It's a good way to put it. Um, okay, so then we get this realization once, um, I guess, does Odo transport in? Is that what happens here? Or does he, does he, does he change lean in? He changes. He shapes- yeah, he, he, he oozes in. He oozes yeah. in. Okay, because um, it's right by the transporter. Like the transporter is right behind the Boldian. Yeah, it's so, in like the transporter room. This kind of happens. Yeah, and so they there's a realization that okay, we've had people separate here, so one of us could be. They all got separated, right? And then this is the big reveal too about the blood. He's like, well, he's like, any of us could be the change thing. He's like, not you. You're bleeding. And then this they. they it's weird that they, they, all these really smart people, it took them this long to figure it out, but hey, fine. So it's this is how they, they introduced it on the show. And But they, the other thing about it is that the changelings immediately figure out how to hack it. Right. 
Yeah. And then the first person they take the blood of the Boltian. <laughs> it's blue. It's blue. He shakes the tube. And my favorite moment, the Boltian looks at Cisco and goes, satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where he got lippy. And then yeah. his entire planet was poisoned. I was like, Jesus Christ, that's your commander you're talking to. Like, and yeah. the, lo- the look that Cisco gives him, Dave, show share my screen. Because he literally <laughs> he literally looks at him like I hate your guts. Yeah. And he goes, so far. You got it? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you're right. Brooks was about to punch him in the face. <laughs> He's like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Then he goes, who's next? And we move on. Kira somehow Kira always goes second. Don't know why. Uh, and then we have uh, he does Eddington and then somehow does some sort of um, sleight of hand because and- he's the changelings because she's the changeling right right and so he's holding up the vial and you see like it, it, basically he's turning his body through the vial to like kind of do it right he, he's shape shifting in his hand and you could see when he was doing the actual withdrawal of the blood he was holding two vials and he swapped yeah. them and then and held we, one up and put oh, two into I it. And when he was doing Eddington, when when he, it was like it was so <laughs> much longer than all the others, it was like <laughs> it went on for like a while, and then it was like okay. And as a viewer, you're expecting it to be Eddington because like he's not a principal cast member, but he has a lot of speaking role, like a high. He's been around. He, he's, he's you know he's not brand new. No, but he's it's an easy person to make the change lane, you know what I mean? Like from from like the audience's perspective, the writer's perspective. Yeah, sure. Like, and you, you, know. you see like, oh yeah, and they killed him off here in the finale and he was also I don't know, like whatever, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and he's annoying and every, nobody likes him. Kira tells him to get in the brig. And then that's when we get this great moment where how all right, how does this happen by the way? How does the door like spark and then open for like why did like, why does that happen? Is that just because the ship is kind of like not no, out of control? Been using his extension courses to get that door open. It's because the writers needed that to happen at that or moment. Yeah. Okay. I, I I'm gonna go with the ship is malfunctioning, and that's why it happened. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. Yeah. I I really like this moment because again, like we get two great performances from Alexander Siddig. We get the ah moment and we also get like the realization that is like, oh, okay, I'm caught. Uh, I'll get out of here. <laughs> and, I don't know. I just really like that that moment. No, it was great. It was like, I, I was like, yeah, you got you got you dopes. You can't fool this changeling. He's on he's on to you. Uh, he, he, he laughs. He, he, he says, uh, <laughs> What a laugh. What a laugh. What a laugh indeed. Um, okay, so after that, they're like, okay, this is like getting getting difficult. We've tried two times to corner this changeling. We suck. Uh, so we're going to have to do uh, the self-destruct type deal here. Uh, and Cisco's goes, okay, so he starts doing it. Kira does it. And then you're right. They do cut to Eddington, Dave. And his look is kind of like, hey, what what about me? <laughs> like you're right. Like I, I think it's on purpose. I think <laughs> I think also he's unimpressed. He's about to get he's he has to blow up for this 
Like, he's like, damn it. I have to die? Okay. You think it's also kind of like, if I'd done my job better, you know, we would have caught this thing, you know? No. He's, I mean, he's also thinking about his wife and the Maquis and all of this stuff, too, right? Yeah. And he's and he's going to die for Starfleet, which I'm sure right. he doesn't want to do. Right. Yeah. You don't know. He, he... At this point, he left his lucky loony on the station. My lucky loony. Uh, <laughs> my lucky loony. Do you know how hard it is to grow tomatoes? Yeah, it's we. They're like weeds. <laughs> All right, Javert. <laughs> We're not even there to Javert yet. Uh, we'll get there though. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We get Bashir walk in. He says he's trying to uh, help out Dax, but you know she's still unconscious. He's he's done all he can. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's all up to O'Brien and some guy we have no idea who he is helping out O'Brien, and that's the fate of the ship is based on those people. Those two guys, yeah, those two guys. Because they said that we have to lock everyone else in their room, right? Because what? we can't trust. I mean, there's this whole sequence where this crew of eighty people are are uh, are locked away. It's for it's a crew of forty seven. Because that the, the here that that's that's always Odo's like security measure. They'd be safer in their quarters. That's just how he rolls. He's like, if everyone's in their quarters, then nobody can mess around. Go to bed. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Odo would not be against like no quarter. He's definitely for soldiers being locked in their rooms and have like he would have Bajoran sleep in the same room with them just to make sure everything's on the level. Uh, yeah, he's he's a strict military man if there ever was one. But then, okay, we get the great moment where two Odos show up in engineering to to the one real, one fake. To one's gonna try and stop what they're doing, and the other one's gonna try and help them. This scene messes me up every time because I always think that the one who right. is going to who is Odo, like who is not. I always get fooled. Because the first thing the fake Odo says, "Hey, Chief, remember when you were kayaking? You ate lamb." And well, then that's the, not why. It's because the it's because the real Odo he makes like these faces that make him seem more sinister, and like he's the evil one. Well, I I don't think it's sinister. It's more like, it's more like uh, this is messed up that this guy's impersonating me, and it, it's kind of just like judgmental, like more I think more than anything like. It, it, he doesn't like anyway, no, nobody would like to see themselves be impersonated and try and convince their friends that you're not really you you know right. you know what i mean yes. so i can i can kind of understand like why he has like a scowl on his face and i love the reply to the lamb thing he's like and you forgot a fork anybody could have gotten that information <laughs> you know? yeah. so we get that too <laughs> um how do you get that fork information well, that the real that was the real Odo who had that. No, oh. it was the fake Odo who found out that somehow he had lamb last week. See, it fools well, me every time. I can't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> who knows about the fork? Who doesn't? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so then we get the the hand inside Odo moment. <laughs> the guy gets hit across the head after that. The hand inside Odo moment. Uh, do tell. Um, well, that's actually uh, first he hits the guy in the head that was helping O'Brien. He's a. I mean, 
he's like a ah, ruthless killer. This guy, he, he has no problem. Okay, here's my problem with the changelings, though. Yeah, from a costume design standpoint, they wear these like beigey, orangey, pinky things. That like I guess it looks better on Salome Jens, like, you know, as the female changeling, but on the guy on the men, it's not it doesn't work for me. Like they look like these I don't know, like sleek, I don't know, like bait I don't know. I don't they know. They look like monks. Do. They look like kind of like monks. Like yeah, like, they could they, they don't look scary as scary as they sh maybe should, because they're this big threat. I just feel like there could be a little bit more something to them. What do you make? Uh, Kevin Ashley, what do you make of that? It's too close to their skin tone. They kind of look like a penis. They look like yeah, they're naked. Like it's like that's the intention to make them look like a little nude, is. I guess. But like, yeah. I get that they had to go uh, based on what Odo's makeup was and like give them the same face. But it was like, I guess just from their their clothing, it's just ugh, to me. It's just, but yeah. this they they're changelings and they change into whatever. I find it interesting in this scene, though, that Odo seems to be so much more powerful than this changeling. Right. He, he Agatha Harknesses it. Easily. He, he he does the thing that Agatha Harkness does in WandaVision spoilers, where every, they're all trying to, like, uh, energy her, and then she counters their energy with her energy. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Odo kind of does the same thing here, where, yeah, like if he's a five-year-old and this guy's 300 years old or whatever, how was he able to do that? The power of love. Power of love. Power of love. <laughs> we go back in time. Uh, okay, so then we get the moment where he literally grabs him after he, he's had his hand inside him and, <laughs> and, and puts him onto the warp core because we see the force field from the warp core comes down right before that and fries him basically on the warp core. And then he comes kind of comes back like half two but he's like literally like been fried. He's like, I'm melting. I'm melting. And Odo says something that is kind of ironic. He says, I never wanted to harm you. Really? You have a funny way of showing it. It was uh, weird because Odo, Odo I, I thought Odo had other options here. Like he didn't have to fry him on the warp core per se. Um He he had already taken back control of him. You know? I don't know. There's different options, but you know, he chose to from it was the quickest thing. They we went to die. It was three minutes left to a warp core breach. He kind of he is kind of just doing what he has to do. So you know, it's kind of it's easy to pick him apart. But I think that uh, he doesn't believe in weapons, but he believes in sh in holding you against a radioactive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He might have been better off with a phaser on stun. You're burying the lead here, though. Well, he's well, he's uh, saying this to the changeling. He's doing the thinker again. He's got he's got his leg up, his knee up a little bit, and he's he's talking to him that way, just like he is standing in the uh, in the conference or the mess hall or wherever the hell they have their meetings. Yes, yes, you're right. Um, and the yeah, boots he's... are awful. Yeah, the boots are. I noticed the boots too. Dave, <laughs> show my show my screen. Look at his boots in this scene, and the the pants are tucked in. Right, what is going on with the boots? <laughs> the boots are very odd. Yeah, it's like uh, I don't know what to make of that. Maybe Dave, you're the uniform guy. That well, Odo's uniform. He his uniform doesn't match any other Bajoran, so it's this whole thing. Jamil, what do you think? <laughs> All right, thanks. Sing it. Uh, okay, we also. <clears throat> We also have 
at the end here where he whispers something to him, but it's not told to us right away. I have it. Okay, shows. He said, you're too late. We are everywhere. That's a great ending. Yeah, yeah it is. It's very ominous, very... Um, like, again, Battlestar Galactica type... Like, oh, like, what's coming next? Anybody could be a changeling at any moment. This is going to be kind of fun. Uh, yeah, it's something completely new for Star Trek. And it was like, okay, the show's getting exciting. Captain Cisco, we got a little bit more defiant. Even though, you know, it's it's criminally underused in this first like its first mm -hmm. season on the show. But maybe, that, you know, that's also a good thing. Because I, I think, like, more, Jeff, like, you know, like, it, season four is really the start of the show for me in a lot of ways. It's like a rebirth of the show. Right. Well, it's, it's full Hawk. Also, I do think it's important to note that the, the scene you just played, Dave is back on deep space nine and it's in the main conference room where they can actually have a proper meeting. Right. Uh, instead of, you know, hanging on the bridge. Uh, so, I think so they I like do things that. like that to uh, to make like the station still the home base and the, the defiance like a you know it's like it's you take it out for the day you know it's recon. not you right recon it's a recon business. ship yeah I got, a, I got a question about this last scene though they seem to be having a meeting of the senior staff right why is Odo not already there why does he feel like he's interrupting why does Dude. he get to go on this mission and not be important because this is a Starfleet meeting except for Kira. Uh I think they were giving him some time to recover because he had gone through a, a bit of a trauma. No, okay. I think I think uh the if Eddington's in the meeting, Odo doesn't want to be there. And uh, <laughs> that's, Eddington. <laughs> that's how I feel about it anyway. <clears throat> Maybe I'm wrong. Because Odo <laughs> like we saw the last time Eddington and Odo were in the same like meeting room together. It didn't go so well. So <laughs> Yeah, that's where I think that kind of stems from. But oh, anyway, fun, fa fun facts. Yeah, yeah, we have some fun facts. Uh, Do you really want to hear the theme song? <clears throat> no. So, uh, okay, fun facts. Are you ready for some fun facts? <laughs> Jeff's gonna lay it down for Jamil. Okay, Ronald D. Tell Moore. Me, have you been practicing your music? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> that was a good drop. I'll give you that one. <laughs> Jensia. Jens. Oh. oh, I gotta play it now. You're a very pretty girl, Jensia. Very pretty. The way he says Jensia, too, is different than the way he normally says Jensia. He goes, Jensia. Jensia. Yeah. Uh, Ronald D. Moore is a big fan of this episode because he considers it to be very un-Star Trek. Mm. I don't know if I completely agree, but I see what he's saying. Uh, it is very Battlestar Galactica. Uh, this episode marks the first episode um, of several new sets aboard the Defiant, namely main engineering, the mess hall, and the extended corridor. Right, we've set. never been in engineering before this, right? Yeah, yeah this okay. is the first one. On the Defiant. So we're, we just—they barely—they've had the bridge and maybe like a like a like a bunk thing. like they, yeah, like we never saw Thomas Riker in engineering or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, as previously mentioned, for a final episode of Half Hawk, full head of hair, 
this episode marks the last time Alexander Sadig is credited as Sadig El Fadil as an actor. As a director, however, he remains credited as Sadig El Fadil for for business as usual, which will come later. Which is interesting. That okay. He, that, that he changed his name as an actor, but not as a director. Cool. Uh, according to. Too. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, according to the Star Trek Deep Space Nine companion, the rifles used in this episode are the first rifles ever seen in Star Trek, which actually have a trigger. I didn't pick up on that. Hmm. Yeah, I guess most of the time they have a button, like a little tap button they use. Probably, probably nothing at all, just a handle. Just a handle. Uh, okay. Uh, in the cold open for this episode, Cisco is promoted to captain. However, in the opening credits of the show, he is still credited as Commander Cisco, as Dave mentioned. They weren't spending the- that money to update it. <laughs> this is the last episode to credit Cisco as a commander. It also is the last time Cisco is seen with hair, and it is the last episode to have the opening credits from season one. We're going to get the new intro at the beginning. Yeah, and the Defiant comes. Of course, Michael Dorn's name will be in the cast after this. Like, this is the end of an era. Like this episode, we are we're we are turning a page. Yeah. Pashir's no longer as lame. He's becoming cooler. And th- this era that is about to start, it will die when Jadzia dies. Jadzia. Jadzia. <laughs> but Jadzia. yeah, so like the, it's like the first three years, the last the next three years, and then the seventh year is kind of this other thing. Yeah. Uh okay. This is the uh, oh sorry uh, the scene where Doctor Bashir is taking blood samples to identify the changeling is similar to the same scene in the Thing from 1982 when McReady tests the blood to identify the changeling among them. Yep. So they ripped so it off. Ripped it off. Uh, this is the first time they've sh- uh, they showed the Bolian having blue blood, so they never showed that before. I guess so. The you know Romulans and Vulcans have green, Bolian's blue. That's oh, right. Kind of cool. I want the Ferengi have red blood, right? Um, yes, I believe they have red blood. Uh, the working title of this episode was Flashpoint. In the Deep Space Nine Chronicles intro, it is stated that this episode wasn't un, was untitled until a contest was held and the adversary was selected. Like what? it's, I, I was thinking about this title and I was like, the adversary. I guess it's fine because he's like, he, it's more like the fugitive or it's more like the saboteur would have been appropriate or something yeah but they don't want to give it away right because it comes up right like at the beginning of the episode so they can't be like the saboteur it's like oh then the the audience is gonna know flashpoint would have been fine you know i don't know what yeah i guess they have to have a title so uh, okay, so Cisco's opening log as his final commander log was not in the final draft of the script. So they added that in like in post. They needed to fill. They didn't have enough minutes to fill it. I think so. That's why we get three captain's logs within 13 minutes. That's the beauty of Star Trek. If you like, if you don't have enough story or enough on-screen like stuff, like you're just, hey, we'll fill in the scenes. A ship flies by for an extra couple seconds here, a couple seconds Exposition there. Exposition dump. Exposition yep. dump. Boom. Done. Okay. The moment you've all been waiting for. 47 references. Let's get to it. 47 reference. Dax says that there are 47 people on board the Defiant. And Kira states, new course. Zero one four mark four seven. <laughs> <laughs> I like 
deal with it. I don't know if you know how numbers work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's just move I, on. Yeah, I can't I deal with these my things. My favorite moment of the podcast because this is what you do to me, Dave, the rest of the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is my thing. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. The 47 reference. Uh, okay. The scene when Krasinski morphs into a changeling and escapes through the vent is one of visual effects supervisor Glenn Newfeld's favorite shots for the entire seven years of Deep Space Nine. Wow. It's like it's over in like a, a, like a tenth of a second. It's nothing. So, so great, according to the according to that guy. Uh, first mention of the Zinkethi, who previously fought a war against the Federation that Cisco participated in. They are mentioned again in the episode Inferno's Light, but they are never seen on screen. Which is weird. Well, it would have been cool if we got them, like I mentioned earlier. They, uh, they, they're, they're, they're Goro people, James. Jeff, have they been practicing their music? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, the fight between Odo and the Changeling at the end of the episode was extremely complicated to put together due to all the morphine effects. Producer Steve Oster points out that there are more morphine effects in this short scene than in the entire third season. According to actor Rene Aubergenois, after principal photography was completed, all the cast were allowed to leave except himself and Lawrence Pressman, who's playing the other changeling. He explains that during the main shoot, he and Pressman had filmed the scene as normal, but to make sure the effects would work properly, each of them had to reenact the scene separately, looking at a monitor and matching their movements exactly. There are actually some of the clips of both the actors shooting the fight without the other present in the Deep Space Nine Chronicles intro to this episode. Wow. So they had a great day. They were probably there till like midnight working. <laughs> they uh, they uh, probably longer than that. Yeah. But yeah everyone's sure. like, have a nice summer or whatever. See you season four. <laughs> right. And uh, meanwhile, they're stuck there with that mask on their face for you know sweating because i do like that moment in this episode where he's like don't you sweat he's like no you <laughs> you know he sweats in that yeah <laughs> in that face mask uh okay uh the writers decided to use the line no changeling has ever harmed another as an important element in this episode this line had been heard a few times already in the search part two heart of stone the dies cast and its importance would return in the fourth season finale broken link where odo receives a punishment for killing a fellow changeling it's very Planet of the Apes. It is. That was a That's big good. thing in Planet of the Apes. No ape has ever harmed another? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the scene in the Defiance mess hall where the senior officers are taking blood samples of each other to determine which one of them is a changer is very reminiscent of the thing. This film is based on the 1938 John W. Campbell Jr. Uh, writing under the pseudonym of Don A. Stewart short story, Who Goes There? which contains a very similar scene. However, the writers cite neither the original story nor the Carpenter film as their primary inspiration for this episode, but rather the 1951 Christian Nevi film called The Thing from Another World. That film did not feature the theme of paranoia or shapeshifters as the story or the later film adaptation did. Paranoia was something the writers were interested in exploring as it was something rarely seen in the Star Trek universe. I don't know what rarely like uh, paranoia is a big part of some of the early original series episodes and a lot of like when especially when they infiltrators and people impersonating different people and... yeah and like the amount of times they go and like sneak around being nazis and stuff yeah uh there's definitely paranoia going on there i would say that uh, was over that was an overstated uh whoever said that 
Okay. Uh, the producers had initially planned to do a show that had a cliffhanger ending uh, involving changelings on Earth. The story was set to introduce Joseph Sisko and would take place in Starfleet headquarters with the end uh, to resol- revolve around Benjamin Sisko saying that the founders had infiltrate- infiltrated the very heart of and that was the end of the show. However, for reasons still unknown, Paramount nixed this idea, saying they didn't want a cliffhanger ending, and so the writers came up with the story about the, the changing wrecking havoc on the Defiant instead. Hmm. We still got that episode just later yeah, on. Did. Yeah, yeah. They they were like, we're doing that idea. Yeah, we had these, yeah, that's good. They had a lot of great ideas, and they were just like, we'll save that for this, and we'll save that for that. And that is it. That's it. That is it. That's all we got for fun facts with Jeff. Okay, well, then you know what time it is. Ratings. It's time for ratings. Ratings. Have you been practicing your music? (laughs) That's better. I like that one. I like that song. All right, let's talk about it. Let's see if this works. How's that? You see that? We see it. See it? Uh, Let's make a pick. All right. Jeff, you want to start us off with the adversary? Uh, I can't hear you. One second. There you go. Can you hear me now? A little bit better. Oh, he left. Okay, let's. uh, Actually, there was a couple factual errors I want to go since he's gone. Um, At roughly three forty, Captain Benjamin Sisko orders O'Brien. To put a full complement of four photon torpedoes. Photon torpedoes by this time were obsolete, Dave. Did you know that? Oh, they were only using quantum torpedoes. That's not true. I think photon oh. torpedoes were still being used. It's not what the, uh, it says here. I agree. I guess, I, doesn't Jadeway use photon torpedoes? They use photon torpedoes, and they also use tricobalt devices. There's a few different uh, things around. Oh, It's just knocking us off one by one. <laughs> And then uh, there's a point in one scene. There's a boom mic clearly visible at 1445. Of oh really? Yeah, I'm actually going to see if I can find that. Okay, let's see if I can bring this back. Is it working now? Uh, oh, I see it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's good. Oh, I got to share that. Jeff, rating? Uh, my rating. One sec. I don't know what's going on here. Um, uh, 7.9. Yeah, I'll give it an 8.2. Uh, well, uh, when I think of this episode, one could say that it's a little bit of a sleeper. Um, I would say a 7.7.8. Okay, Ashley, 7.5 for me, and Kevin. 8.5. It's a high one. Your high mark today. Yeah, I like this episode. So an 8, an eight from the uh, the panel here, an average, an 8.3 on IMDb. So uh, not bad. Uh, as you can see here, this season 3 average now finish, finishes out, Jeff, at a 7.5 compared to the dismal season 1 and season 2, 6.5 and 6.4, which is not that great, uh, really, when you think about it, like a score out of 10. Um Seven point five is is pretty good considering, you know, they weren't there wasn't really a direction until the end of the season of kind of what they wanted to do. Uh, Dave, share my screen. I want to show you everybody this boom mic because it is clearly visible. Please show us. 
go big screen show it on the main screen and look up in the top top middle right here oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> you know so, that could be they could, that could be part of the chef wants to say you know it's, just, it's, it's functioning normally jeff says right there <laughs> exactly so that's fun super fun uh yeah so dave what do we have coming up on uh Super Mater Bros podcasting, all that live along podcasts with uh, trivial debates. Give it to we us. Got all, all kinds of things. We're busy, busy bees. Uh, we got a lot going on. Uh, you know, we're going to be, um, well, here on Live Long and Podcast Monday nights. If you didn't know, we talk about Star Trek, the original series. Uh, we continue to watch every episode, not in order. Almost done, actually. We only have a few left. Um, we just uh, finished up uh, Charlie X. We didn't figure out why it was called Charlie X, Jeff, but um, they never got to it. Uh, Jody hated it. Uh, next week, we're doing the Squire of Gothos. Uh -huh. and, uh, and that's going to be a fun one. So Jody, Jody will love that one. That's a precursor to Q. It's a pre yeah, it's, yeah I, I think so too. So I think I'm going to enjoy that. So check out that every uh, Monday now. We, we used to be on Wednesdays, now we're on Mondays for Star Trek, the original series. Plus here on Live Long and Podcast, uh, well, we're going to be covering Star Trek Lower Decks very soon. That's start going to be starting around August 12th. Uh, but uh, before that, Star Trek Radio Theater is our show where we talk, you know, we reenact these scripts and we're getting the crew back together. We've been off for a little while, but uh, cause and effect, Star Trek The Next Generation, Jeff. Yeah, I'm excited to do Riker uh, in this episode because he's uh, just, I don't know, He's he, first of all, he's the one who's right. And second, I love his poker scenes, uh, him and Worf, so that'll be fun to do. Yeah, your your two characters are actually in the same photo there. They just been split off into two halves. Uh, so that, that should be, I'm interested to hear your two things. Kevin, you'll be playing Data. Yeah. Data. 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 <laughs> Ashley, you got uh, the trifecta there of uh, Deanna Troy, Rolaren, and Alyssa Ogawa. Mm -hmm. Excited? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Enthusiasm like that. How could we go wrong? And then we got Mod in this Picard. I don't know if Mod's done Picard before, but I'm excited for that. And uh, and we got uh, J Jane as Crusher. So anyway, check that you, out you Saturday night. Jessica Chan as Morgan. Bates. Jessica Chan. Well, she'll be yeah, she'll be coming in right at the end. So to play Kelsey Grammer. Also, I love that picture of Crusher. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> she wins. She wins it all. So yeah. So that's our. Uh, okay, who do we lose now? You. You. Me. Okay, I'm back. You see me? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay, so that's all. That's our live long and podcast stuff. We're busy here on live long and podcast. Plus, we have Super Mater Brothers podcasting where we Jeff right now and Jamil. We're talking about Big Brother USA season twenty three. How's that going? Pretty well for me. I got both my players from the draft still in the house. Unlike Dave, I got one. I got Xavier. I got the X Man. You got the head of household right now. Yeah, I'm going to distance. Give it to you. Jamil's got uh he's got the Azah and Christian. I don't know about those picks. Quite frankly. The curls, man. The curls. The curls love the curls. Well, I have to go get it. <laughs> and then Azah <laughs> won't get distracted because um hashtag no penis. Girls hey. love the curls. Yeah, you Kevin, you think he's bad on this show with the soundboard? It, it's it's <laughs> the, the big brother episodes. <laughs> <laughs> they get ridiculous. <laughs> so tune so in for many. that.
They better hope and pray that I don't go get this veto. <laughs> they did not hope and pray. They just <laughs> made sure you lost. <laughs> yeah, check it out. Uh, you can hear all the great Big Brother business. Vetoes, uh, let's go, baby. Let's go, baby! Yeah, there's some good stuff, Jeff. So, yeah, check out that Super Mario Brothers podcasting three times a week, talking about Big Brother USA. And then uh, Trivial Debates is our other channel. Uh, we just came off our Trivial Debates episode, Jeff, you were on, along with uh, Jody Simpson and Adam Woodward and Michael Connor. That was a pretty fun yes. one. It was our conspiracy episode, yes. It was a conspiracy-rich episode. And check that out. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. So we're... We have that every month, and um, uh, I think that's all our shows. Plus, we have my son's podcast, which is called Talking About Fighting Games. And, uh, and who am I forgetting? Uh, oh, um, our, our cousin. Cousin. Davin. Davin. Check out Locutors of Trek as well. Some really yeah, interesting Star Trek intellectual talk over there. Okay, Jeff. So are you excited for next week here on Live Long and Podcast? Because I know you I are. Don't know if I think next week might be your single. Is favorite. anyone as excited as I am? I think it's your single favorite episode of Star Trek. <laughs> and and who I'm excited to just because Gowron is amazing. And anytime we have Gowron and Martok and Worf in the same episode, yeah, like can't, can't, you can't go wrong with that. I mean, they're just right. they're all so such great characters. Klingon against Cardassian, Federation against Klingon. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. We can still win. <laughs> we can still win. So we're doing way, the Way of the Warrior Part One and Part Two, which I was th I thought was interesting on Netflix. Like they don't even bother to break it up into two files on Netflix no. uh, for that one. They just like no, it's one. It's just one episode. It's just one epic, as far as they're concerned. Because I think it did air. Like when it aired on TV, it didn't air like week to week, like the two episodes. I feel like the two hour just aired. Uh, yeah, they probably um, did. Yeah, because sometimes they do that with premieres, right? Like they just. They just but they didn't do that with the first episode. No, no, they didn't do that with a lot of like a lot of other episodes too, right? It was always like, oh, okay, week one, week two. Hold on, I gotta refresh. <laughs> okay. I guess you, he wasn't feeling so fresh. Yeah. Dave, did you need a sonic shower there? What, what happened? <laughs> I was having B Live technical issues. Okay. It happens. But yeah, like, I, what was I saying? You were saying um, something about not feeling fresh. Yeah. I feel fresh now. <laughs> you feel fresh. Well, you're, you're color coded in white. In white. So. Yeah. No, Jeff, but come on. It's, uh, we got, we got, Warf's coming to the show, man. Like your friendship awesome. means much to me. It's not so awesome for Kira or Odo, but I mean they they're not Starfleet, so I mean they're they're good characters. But uh, I, I we do get some great moments with Warf and Kira where it's like they're jockeying for control, basically of, of well, command. Even that conflict with Kira makes it a little bit her a little bit more interesting. Yes, uh, yeah, because there there's not enough of that with her in the first three seasons i mean she, she like like i said like it's kind of like dax is the right hand person but kira really is supposed to be and then dax I, isn't going for kira's job no but dax is like the um dax is like the mccoy, McCoy role like he's like yeah. you know the, the confidant the, the one he trusts to have personal conversations with because he cisco doesn't really talk to anyone else about his personal life 
he the barely court. talks to Dax about anything too, right? Like he's he's yeah. pretty pro- he's pretty private. Yep. Unless he's cooking. Unless he's cooking papagash. Yeah. Uh is it, gosh. So is that it, Dave? Are we you know have we filled all of our advertising needs for the other podcasts on this? Network? I think so. Did I forget anything? <laughs> I don't think so. I think we're good. So I think we're ready to shut this down. Oh, for, I didn't oh, mean to I do like, that. I like I, I kind of like that. That's kinda you want to do this? I don't know. I kind of like it for the outro. Although Ashley's not in the press. So <laughs> she doesn't work for her. Uh, but, oh, we but, can do this for the outro. Here you go, Jeff. <laughs> there we go. Okay. For all of us here at Tuesdays 9 at 9, this has been Season 3, Episode 26, The Adversary. We will see you next week for The Way of the Warrior. I'm Jeff Mater. For Dave Mater, Kevin and Ashley, the tag team couple, and Jamil Robinson. We'll Jamil, you're you. not going to be here next week, right? Uh, TBD. <laughs> yeah.